Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sassy Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Lucy Pinto. I'm excited to share with you my stories of everyday resilience and allow others to share theirs. My goal is to help people heal and find inner peace through our shared stories. This episode may include profanity or discuss topics that may be triggering for some. Hello, this is Lucy with the Sassy Warrior Podcast, and I am so excited to pick up where we left off on the last episode, which was me as a child, my struggles with being overweight, gaining a lot of weight, and then the process of losing it. And now I want to pick up the part where I went back and I put on that 100 pounds that I lost. So we're going to pick up from when I was in college. I was in an abusive relationship, and it was verbally abusive, and there was other types of abuse that was going on. I'm not really going to go into that, but the person that I was with was very controlling and definitely fed into my eating disorder. I remember going to the grocery store, and it's like I couldn't pick out the right type of bread, according to this human being, which is interesting because I know in another episode we'll probably get into dating and relationships, but I definitely was dating a version of my father, and I couldn't pick out the right type of bread. I couldn't pick out the right type of milk. Like, whatever I picked up off the shelf was the wrong thing, and that definitely fed into my eating disorder. So at some point, I decided to leave that person. I realized that they were not right for me and that they were using me, and it was a very unhealthy relationship. So I got out of that relationship, and I have to be honest, like when I was a a teenager, I never drank, really. I didn't drink in high school, didn't really get involved in drugs in high school. I remember talking to my therapist about being one of the slowest people in the back of the line when it came to PE, running outside, and... (laughs) Telling her that I was back with the smokers, you know, at the like, let's say, I think it was like a 15 minute mile. And I told her, I said, you know, thank God I don't smoke because think about it. I'm already at the back of the line with the smokers running. Can you imagine if I smoked on top of it? Like whether it was, you know, marijuana or anything else. Thank God I didn't get into any other drugs. But the truth is I really didn't need to. I ate as my drug, and I didn't really need anything else to fill that void. But at the same time, when I left this boyfriend, I made some new friends. I started dating somebody else. They introduced me to some people. I really hadn't been social because that person had isolated me. And I remember going to my first party and drinking. And I have to say, I think I got annihilated that night. I think it was, I want to say that I blacked out that night. I'm not 100% sure, but I remember sitting on a trash can and not really being able to hold my own. But I started at that point, you know, really at 21 drinking. And I think the reason I never had before is I was afraid of not being in control. So now that I started drinking, I felt like it was an easy way to kind of pull back away from the food. But I slowly started gaining some of the weight back that I had lost, you know, slowly creeping up. I was at the one, uh, 130s and then creeping 140s, 150s, 160s. And I remember one time coming down to Miami to visit my dad. And I, he had rented this Corvette. No, it wasn't a Corvette. It was a, I think it was, yeah, it was a Corvette, hardtop Corvette convertible. 
I want to say it was silver. And I get in the car and like we barely got on the highway and like the tops down and like the thing that he's yelling at me is like, how is your diet going? And I'm thinking to myself, like, what? Like, is this really what we're talking about right now? Like, you just picked me up from the airport and we're talking about my diet? Like, and how I'm, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, like, look at me. Obviously, you can tell I've, I've gained weight. You know, is this a test? Because it's not a very good one. Like, I've already showed you the evidence. So I slowly started to creep back and gain the weight and use food as a crutch because I had been in an abusive relationship and I didn't know how to deal with this anxiety. And it was a time where, you know, when I had left this past boyfriend, I had gone into therapy. I was on medication. I was dealing with anxiety, severe anxiety, depression, PTSD, which I didn't realize until later. I was afraid to be alone. There was a lot of feelings going on. And I started to lean back on food to deal with what was going on with me because I never really dealt with the feelings as to why I had put on so much weight in the first place. It just kind of happened. So I started to gain the weight back. And then sure enough, I want to say it was towards my junior year that the weight really started to pack on again. I dated somebody that also had a weight problem. And at some point I'll get into this, but I find that when I date people that have a weight problem, I'm more likely to go along with whatever they're doing or to give in to, you know, going out to eat, drinking, and just kind of, you know, if they're not caring about what they're putting in their body and what they're doing to their body and what they're consuming, then at some point I kind of stop caring too. Now, as an adult now, I don't do that, but I definitely did it in my teen years and in my early adult years. You know, we would go out to these like nice restaurants and we would drink and have such a great time. And I really was feeding my feelings of feeling dead on the inside with food and alcohol. And sure enough, I continued to gain weight. And I remember going to visit my father and he was very sick. And I came to visit him in Miami and I... I knew he was sick, but I didn't know that he was dying. And apparently, he knew he was dying. And this was, I want to say this was like Thanksgiving of 2006. And he was very weak. And then I came to visit him again in Canada with my relatives in 2007. I want to say it was, maybe it was like March or April. And uh, he always picked me up at the airport. But this time, he didn't. He had me take a cab. And it seemed like very strange to me. And I remember him opening the door to the house. And it was like a shade of my father. It wasn't all him. He was, he was somewhat skeletal and weak. And something just really seemed wrong to me. But even at the age of 20, or 20, I guess it was 21, I was naive. And you think that to some degree, you think your parents are invisible and they're going to live forever and what you don't know can't hurt you. I knew that he was sick, but I never wanted to research it enough or get involved enough to, I guess, face what really was going on. Now, before I came to visit him in Montreal in Canada, I had started to connect with him ever since I had seen him in 
November for Thanksgiving, which is a holiday I always spent with him. And I had stayed in contact with him and he was receiving treatment for the condition that he had overseas in Paris. And he, I could tell he was very sick. And I remember him being very emotional in the hospital and feeling afraid and feeling alone. And I've always been a very caring person and I really wanted to go take care of him. I wanted to be there for him and connect with him on a deeper level. And he really didn't want me to. He wanted me to stay in, co in college and finish college. And, you know, it was really difficult for me to accept when he did eventually pass away that I didn't have that opportunity to be there for him. But I connected with him on a level that I never had connected with him before. So fast forward, we're in Canada. We spend time together. He has a hard time walking up and down stairs. Like he's definitely very ill. And I remember us getting in a cab, going to the airport, and he was heading back to Paris and I was heading back to to Georgia to go back to school in Savannah, Georgia. And we get in the cab. And shortly after we get in the cab, he like says to me very like subtly under his breath, how is your diet going? It's like I knew that he, I knew that he was weak and I knew that he couldn't fight back, but I didn't want to believe that he was dying. I was in denial about that. And I just stayed quiet for a second. And I had this feeling in my stomach of just like anger and frustration. And, you know, he hadn't said anything to me the entire time about my weight. And I sat there and all of a sudden I said to him, you know, you just couldn't go the entire vacation without saying one thing about my weight, could you? Like you just couldn't just not say anything about it. You had to bring it up. Here we are at the end of the trip and you're bringing this up as we're headed to the airport. And after I, you know, was quiet, he looked over at me and very softly said, I just want you to be happy. And it was the first time in my life that I actually believed it. Before, I always felt like he just wanted to control me and he just wanted to have the perfect daughter and he wanted me to be thin. And as he was exiting this world, I think he didn't want to see me suffer you know, he was facing his own fate and he didn't want to leave without knowing that I was okay. And I held on to that after he passed, but he ended up passing May 17th, 2007. And I had an immense amount of guilt that I lived with that I never was able to take care of him since he and I were not close and we had bonded over this last six to nine months, I felt like we could have bonded more and that I could have taken care of him. And it killed me on the inside that I felt like I was robbed of that. And my mom tried to say to me that that was his gift to me. That was his way of showing love for me was not taking me out of school and having me finish school. But that was really hard. So we had the funeral and then my mom was like, you got to go back to school. And so that summer, I did summer school, and I just put one foot in front of the other. And I remember I had days where I could barely get out of bed, where I just was so, so sad. And I did the best that I could do, but I definitely leaned back on food because I didn't know what to do. I wasn't prepared for what happened to me. 
I wasn't prepared for losing him. And when I was a little girl and my parents were getting divorced or got divorced and I was in therapy, I remember saying to my therapist, I hate my father. And saying to her, you know, I don't want him ever to walk me down the aisle. I remember the day that I found out that he passed away, driving down the street in Savannah, Georgia, and thinking to myself about how I had said that as a child and how I no longer had control over that. That I had made that statement and I no longer, I couldn't take it back. It was taken away from me and I didn't have a choice anymore. And that was so incredibly painful for me. So I continued to lean on food and I ended up doing a documentary about my relationship with him and discovering what happened to him. And I've never officially released this documentary. I think it's because I'm not proud of it and I want to go back and I want to redo it. So maybe you'll hear about that in the future. But I went to Paris with my then boyfriend, who was an uh, audio engineer, and his friend that was a videographer, and I had the opportunity to go and to speak to his friends and learn more about my father, because I felt like who they knew was someone different than who I knew. And the reason why I talk so much about my dad while I talk about my weight is it was a huge connection between the two of them, and it was not a happy connection. So fast forward, I continue to gain weight. I get to, let's say, senior year of college and the end of college. I want to say I was like in the early 200s by then. And I had always dreamt about living in L.A. So I told my boyfriend at the time not to follow me (laughs) and because I knew he was not the right person for me and that he deserved the right person for him. And he's now happily married. So I left for L.A. And to kind of go take one step back, I actually, after my dad passed away, you know, as a kid and as a teenager and even as a college student, I never really had to, I mean, I had to deal with my own bills, but there were certain things that I wasn't responsible for. And healthcare was one of those. And I had let my healthcare plan lapse. So I found myself at the end of my senior year of college with my health insurance lapsing. And this is a time where pre-existing conditions was a huge ordeal, and I'm sure it still is. And I was not able to get health insurance again. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how is this possible? Like, I have the money. How can they not let me have health insurance? And because I was so overweight, I could not qualify for health insurance again. I was out of the waiting period. I had let my health insurance lapse. And so... That meant that when I went out to L.A., I had to very abruptly get off my medication. And I was taking Prozac and Wellbutrin at the time. I was taking medication for anxiety and depression. And I knew that you shouldn't just drop those, you know, and just move on and (laughs) not wean yourself off. But I didn't really have much of a choice. So I stopped taking my medication. I went through a very, very deep, dark time when I was out in L.A., And I gained a bunch of weight, or I continued to gain weight. I want to say I got up to the 240s. Every morning I would go to Starbucks and get my white chocolate mocha and my breakfast sandwich. I have to say, I had so many white chocolate mochas in my day. Just the thought of it makes me cringe, all that sugar. But yeah, I was very depressed, extremely depressed. 
And it's like I was holding on to anything that could keep me above water. And I, it was, you know, 2008, so the economy had crashed and there was a lot of stuff going on. Gas was $5 a gallon in LA. And I had a really hard time finding a job. I was doing an internship out there and I was just very lost, depressed. I even contacted that ex-boyfriend that was abusive in college and thought about getting back together with him, which is insane. And I actually had a nightmare about him the other day that I was getting back together with him. And yeah, I continued to gain weight. I went through a major depression. I So much so that I went into a salon and told them that I wanted to dye my hair as dark as they could possibly dye it. And I did it. And it, I'm going to be honest, like, it looked horrible. It looked horrible. But... I wanted to look the way that I felt. It was a very, very dark time. So fast forward, I ended up moving back to Virginia. I didn't have a job. I went through a lot of difficult stuff when it came to finding a job because I had a film degree and nobody wanted to hire me. I shot up, I want to say, to like 257.6, which was my highest weight ever on a five foot four frame. So, you know, I had gotten down to the 130s and then got all the way back up to... 257.6 and I even remember like going out and walking and trying to run and exercise like I never was willing to give up and then I have to say that being an overweight woman and having daddy issues and having abuse in my past made me very vulnerable to getting involved or getting taken advantage of by men and I found myself in situations that were unhealthy and I continued to drink to numb myself and to eat to numb myself. And it wasn't until fast forward, I ended up moving to Tallahassee, Florida to be with my now ex-husband. And I was not, I wasn't okay. I was in a very deep, dark spot again, still. I don't think I ever really got out of that, to be honest with you, because when I was living in Virginia before I came down to Tallahassee, I was drinking like a bottle a night of wine, like when I was living alone. And I was doing everything to just not feel the pain. And so when I came down to Tallahassee, my boyfriend at the time, who is now my now ex-husband, also struggled with his weight. We had actually met at summer camp, at weight loss camp, 10 or so years prior. And at that point, even though I was overweight, I was starving myself. Like I was drinking, I was eating food that was not good for me and not healthy, but I was still starving myself. And then I was trying to go work out, which is a very interesting concept. So I spent a couple years with him in Tallahassee, and then we came down to Delray Beach, Florida, which is where I live now. And I remember going to a Weight Watchers meeting and thinking to myself, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm working out and I, you know, not eating a whole lot. Like, why, why can't I lose weight? Why can't I lose weight? And, you know, I had obviously been down this road many, many times. I knew what I was doing, but I was struggling. And I remember meeting with my advisor and she said, you're not eating enough. And I was like, look at me. What do you mean I'm not eating enough? I'm 240 something pounds because I was 240 something pounds at the time. And... She's like, you're not eating enough. I've always struggled with this concept of not eating enough. Still, like, to this day, and thankfully now, I find myself that I'm on a program where I'm counting my macros and I'm, I'm eating more and I'm exercising and I'm eating a healthy amount of food. So I want to go back for a second because I missed a very, very key part before I went down to Delray. And that is 
I decided that I wanted to do my birthright trip the summer before I came down to Delray to go to Israel. As a being Jewish, being raised Jewish, having my bat mitzvah, having it be my birthright, I got to go to Israel. And I have to say that I'm so happy I did because I almost didn't go because I was feeling anxious and depressed and I was afraid going alone on this trip and not knowing anybody and how are they going to treat me and everything. And went on this trip without really realizing what it was going to entail. I didn't realize how extensive it was going to be when it came to physical activity. And I kind of had this joke, like, did I not read the pamphlet before I decided to go on this trip? Because here I was, 240-something pounds, and I was, like, hiking up a hill, like many hills. I almost felt like I was climbing up a mountain, you know, 240-something pounds, very overweight. My knees hurt. I was out of breath. I just, I honestly don't even know how I made it through. But I do remember we went mountain biking one day, and I remember I was, like, at the front of the line mountain biking, and people were thinking to themselves, like, how the hell is this chick in the front of the line mountain biking right now? <laughs> like, like, how is this happening? But I always pushed myself to try to, to be the best version I could be, and that's really what kept me fighting when it came to my weight loss journey, is I refuse to give up. No matter what, I refuse to give up. So fast forward, went to Weight Watchers. That wasn't really my cup of tea, and... Down in Delray Beach, Florida, I end up getting a job. I realized that I need to tackle my weight issues, and I decide to try a diet that was very restrictive that was recommended to me by a friend of mine, and I did that diet for, I want to say, like a year and a half, and it took me a year and a half to lose that 120 pounds, and I feel like a year and a half, I'd say a year and a half to two years, I want to say it took me that much time because... I would cheat every once in a while, and it was a very restrictive diet. So, you know, I would basically have my little vacations off of the diet, but I lost 120 pounds that I had put on after I had lost 100 pounds. So I went from 257.6 all the way down to about, I want to say like 148. And I remember feeling so naked. Like, I just, everywhere I went, I felt uncomfortable in my skin, which is the same feeling I felt the first time around I had lost weight. I was very, very insecure. And I really thought that once I lost all the weight, everything was going to be perfect. Everything was going to be great. But I wasn't happy in my relationship. This was before I got married. And I just couldn't understand why I wasn't happy. Why was I so anxious? Why could I not stop the pain and insecure feelings and anxiety? And most likely it's because I used the food to deal with it my whole life. And all of a sudden I felt like I didn't have any control. All of a sudden I felt like I had nothing to comfort me. And I remember laying down and like looking at my stomach. I was like in my underwear and I was like, God, like you're still fat. Like you lost all this weight and you're still fat. And the thing is that I didn't realize, I didn't have the education at the time to realize that I had a lot of excess skin. I really did not want to come to terms with that. And now I wish I would have because I probably just would have had the excess skin removed and maybe things would have gone differently. I don't know. But I slowly but surely creeped a little bit of the weight back on and always just felt really, really unhappy with myself and my weight. And I really thought that the weight was going to be, I thought that my unhappiness was going to be solved when I got down to that weight. But I realized that I didn't want to deal with any of the issues, like the real issues that were going on. The weight was just a result 
of how I felt. And when I got down to that lower weight, I felt so naked and insecure, and I, I didn't know how to deal with my feelings. So I started to drink. And I would drink and eat. And at some point, the weight started to creep on a little bit, but then I got control of it. And it didn't matter if I gained 10 pounds and I lost 20. It didn't matter what I was eating. No matter what I did, I was unhappy. And... It wasn't until several years later <laughs> that I realized that I needed to make some major, major changes. And we will be talking about that soon on a future episode. So this is where I'm going to leave off. And I look forward to sharing so much more with you all in the future. Before you go, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast so you can receive new episodes when they are released. If you are enjoying this podcast so far, please take a moment to leave us a review. This is one of the major ways Apple ranks their podcasts, and it really only takes just a few seconds. Thank you for joining me, Lucy Pinto, in this episode of the Sassy Warrior Podcast, Stories of Everyday Resilience. See you next time.